Hi, need a ride? Hop on in. I'm headed to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Come on, let's go. We made it just in time. Come on, let's go get a seat. Hey everybody, welcome to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Glad everybody has a seat. And everybody gets something to drink? Cool. Now just sit back and enjoy the show. I have a lot of news to get to, so let's get right to it. And this week I have a personal story and a learning story that I want all the lo solo women drivers out here to pay special attention to. Stay tuned, that's coming up later in the show. But first, another city is banning truck parking on their streets. A city in Connecticut has banned commercial trucks from parking on city streets for long periods of time. The long-term parking ban went into effect on October 1st in Milford, Connecticut, and applies to semi-truck tractors, tractor trailers, boats, and campers on city streets and does not affect the long-term parking of cars, compact bus-type vehicles, and pickup trucks used for private transportation. According to the Milford Mirror, after several months of refining the definition of commercial vehicles, Milford's aldermen have adopted a regulation that bans commercial trucks from parking on city streets for long periods of time. The aldermen amended an existing ordinance at a meeting October 1st, which bans the long-term parking of trailers, semi-truck trailers, boats, campers, and other vehicles on city streets in the right-of-way. The aldermen started looking at the ordinance ordinance, excuse me, this past summer because city officials were getting complaints from residents about large commercial vehicles parking regularly on neighborhood streets and in municipal parking lots. Well, of course, the city, the residents don't have anything else to complain about, but when you want your stuff delivered to the stores, you sure are complaining and bitching and griping when your shelves are empty, but you don't want us in your city. Well, make up our minds. Where are we the hell are we supposed to park at? Really, people? Come on. I'm so tired of this garbage. The city officials began in August working to amend the 2016 ordinance that bans long-term parking of boats, jet skis, campers, and other vehicles by adding the ban on commercial trucks. But some aldermen thought the revision might have unintended consequences such as make it Ill illegal for someone with a large pickup truck to park the vehicle in front of their house. So they revisited the regulation several times before they were satisfied. Pickup truck owners would not be affected. So if you're running a pickup truck for your own commercial business, you could still park it in front of your home in Milford, Connecticut. Ultimately, the aldermen agreed on an amendment that defines commercial trucks as any vehicle requiring a commercial driver's license, 
or any vehicle weighing more than 10,000 pounds or having the two rear axles or more and a capacity of more than one ton or measuring more than 21 feet long or 8 feet high. Also banned under the revised ordinance are vehicles designed to transport 16 or more passengers, with the exception of those used and housed at schools and houses of worship, churches in other words. The ordinance specifically states that station wagons, compact type bus vehicles, and pickup trucks used for private transportation are allowed to be parked on city streets. The ordinance does not apply to them. Alderman Frank Smith said the amended ordinance addresses the problem and prohibits commercial vehicles from using city streets as commercial parking lots, which he said creates safety concerns. There's, that's always their biggest excuse. But yet, when we try to come down the street, it's perfectly fine for them to park on both sides of the street, knowing that we're 13 or 102 inches wide and 13 six high. You know, now I can understand small... Um, city streets with low-hanging electrical lines and stuff you don't want to rip those down but like i said people want their crap uh, delivered to their stores you know they're right away bitching and pissing and moaning because we're parking in the street or parking on a a lot or someplace else there is no put truck stops build a damn truck stop in your town milford connecticut or close by and we'll gladly park there closest truck stop i know of in that area is hartford so start building truck stops. Start using these abandoned shopping centers so we can park our truck in an abandoned shopping center. Abandoned Walmart store or something, you know? But you sit there, the residents sit there and cry and piss and moan because we're parking on the street. The purpose is not, listen to this, the purpose is not to restrict normal commercial activity, rather to address the issue of commercial vehicles being parked perpetually on city streets for long periods of time. Well, what do you consider a long period of time? 10 hours? 24 hours? 48 hours? 3 days? 5 days? A week? 7 days? 2 weeks? What is an extended period of time? Quit being so vague and be more descriptive, be more detailed. Alderman Ray Vitale said he favored the ordinance but questioned enforcement. If we're going to have something, it has to be enforced, Vitale said. City Attorney Jonathan Burcham responded that there is an $85 fine for violating the ordinance. Alderman Jeremy Grant, who did a lot of research into the weight of pickup trucks when the amendment first came up, thank constituents and the board for spending so much time to achieve an ordinance that will benefit the city and residents. It will make our city safer, Grant said. Well, you just waited till you need your shit delivered. That's all I have to say. It was Alderman Brian Anderson who raised the issue of commercial vehicles being parked on city streets several months ago after hearing from a consultant who was angry that a commercial vehicle was often parked near his home, which is adjacent to Gulf Pond. The State Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, DEEP, got involved because the vehicle was leaking chemicals into the pond, Anderson said. How can he be leaking chemicals into the pond unless he's leaking antifreeze, leaking diesel, which is illegal anyways. The truck shouldn't even be on the road. So how can he be leaking chemicals into the pond? Anderson said the new regulation protects the city waterways as well as making the city streets safer. Whatever. 
Alderman Nick Vercelli said he's still concerned that identifying a commercial vehicle as one that is more than 10,000 pounds might create a problem for people with big pickup trucks. But several other aldermen said they were confident that the exclusions protect pickup truck owners. Alderman Anthony, I don't can't even pronounce that damn name. I thought my name was bad said the revised ordinance satisfied any concerns he had earlier. He said he knows people who are avid campers and hunters and who drive their large Ford F-350, which he said has a, has a fifth wheel in the bed. That is not going to affect their ability to park in front of their house. Yeah, it's like I said, it's only for us 18-wheelers, you know. If they're justified in it leaking hazardous materials into their pond, into their water... That's that's a, a a legitimate bitch. That's a legitimate gripe, but not if people are just parking outside their home, you know, for an evening or something like that. They're saying extended periods of time. So look for someplace else for us to go. And in other news, Erie, Pennsylvania police are asking for help in identifying a truck. In the photos, an article will be posted in the show notes, as always, for an alleged rape in a rest area. Erie Police Department are asking for help from the public in identifying a truck allegedly used in an abduction and sexual assault case of a woman. It happened Wednesday, October 17th, around 1.30 in the morning. Authorities say that a woman was walking home from the Shell gas station at East 6th and Parade Street, when grabbed by a man with a knife and forced into a truck without a trailer. Um, that's called a bobtail, people. The woman said that the man drove to West 13th and Chestnut Street where he raped her. The woman was able to escape, was cut on the leg by the knife as she fled. The suspect is described as a black man in his 40s who was around 5'6 and 250 pounds. He is reportedly bald and clean-shaven. Erie police say that after looking through surveillance footage, it appears that the truck driver was casing Parade Street from about 11 p.m. till 1.30 when the woman was abducted. I can't... Are y'all laughing at me? I can't talk today. Investigators are asking for help in identifying the truck, which was captured on surveillance footage. Anyone with information or the suspect or the truck is asked to call the Erie Police Department. Let me tell you, those pictures are so damn grainy that it looks like it is a Freightliner and it looks like a, possibly a Cascadia. I'm not 100% sure with the um, road kit on the side, the skirting on the side, but there's a big white blop where it would be a uh, sign for the, the trucking company on the side of the truck. But the pictures are so grainy that you can't tell a truck number. You, I can't. Um, and then you get glare off the street lights. You can't even see a truck number on the front of the hood. It does have one mirror, a hood mirror on the right, passenger side. Um, that's really about it. And so he was stupid enough to be photographed, the dumb bunny. <laughs> But anyways, in other news, FMCSA grants CRST exemption for student drivers. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration announced on Friday, October 19th, that it renewed an exemption for CRST expedited that allows a Cedar Rapids, Iowa-based Iowa trucking company to have student drivers run team with a commercial driver license holder. In other words, a veteran driver. 
Current regulations require a CDL holder with the proper class and endorsements to be seated in the front while a commercial learner's permit holder is driving on public roads or highways. The exemption allows student drivers who pass the skills test but have not yet received the CDL documentation to drive a CRST commercial vehicle accompanied by a CDL holder who is not necessarily in the passenger seat. Can we say accident waiting to happen? CRST's previous exemption from the regulations was granted for two years on September 23, 2016. The new exemption is effective for five years until September 24, 2023. FMCSA has analyzed the exemption application and the public comments and has determined that the exemption subject to the terms and conditions imposed will achieve a level of safety that is equivalent to or greater than the level that would be achieved absent such an exemption. CRST says the exemption allows a company to foster a more productive and efficient training environment by allowing commercial learners permit holders to hone their recently acquired driving skills through on-the-job training and to begin earning an income right away. Through the end of 2017, CRST reported zero crashes to the FMCSA involving drivers using the exemption. Y'all laughing at me. FMCSA has granted similar exemptions to such fleets as Sierra England and New Prime. The owner-operator Independent Drivers Association, also known as OOIDA, has spoken out against such exemptions. During the public comment period for CRST's request, Jared Hugh, an OOIDA member from Indianapolis, questioned the logic. Why would FMCSA even consider this? The roads and traffic are bad enough already, Hugh wrote. Permit holders don't have the experience to operate a commercial vehicle by themselves without the trainer sitting up front in the passenger seat. That is what a trainer is for. I also concur with his sentiment. The trainer is to teach and give guidance to the student, not be in the sleeper berth while the student is left alone. I agree very wholeheartedly with this. That's why you become a trainer. You're not running team. You, you They don't have enough experience for you to run team in a situation like this. And then they're going to be going, oh, 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 and you're snoring in the back, and all of a sudden he's going to wreck your truck. Okay, you know, here again, that's another good one. So I want to share a personal experience with everybody, and from time to time as they come up, I will be inserting these into the show. Last week I was fueling at the TA on I-40, just outside of Memphis in Arkansas. I was on my way to pick up a load. Now, the fuel island there is offset, and the whole fuel island is on an angle. Each fuel pump, I should say, is offset. And what I mean by offset is that the driver's side pump is a little bit forward, and the passenger side pump is a little bit toward the back. They're not side by, like, across from each other. So after I got done fueling, I pulled up as far as I could, but my trailer was still partway in the fuel island. Now, because the whole fuel island is on an angle, the pump that I was on was way off to the left, the very last pump, and as you pull up, 
you're halfway in the driveway. I was in another truck. Mine was in the shop. And I wasn't go about to wreck this newer truck's hood by pulling out too far. Some bu dumb bunny come flying through the truck stop using that driveway to take my hood off. Well, this male driver comes flying up behind me. Now, mind you, like I said, it was in the very last pump, left-hand side. He's blowing his horn, he's waving his arms, throwing his arms around and everything. And I motion, I'm out of my truck, and I motion to him like I'm shrugging going, what? I can't, sorry, I can't pull up anymore, and I'm shaking my head no. And he keeps blowing his horn and waving his arms and everything, so I do something very unladylike, and I flip him off. The next thing I know, he gets out of his truck and comes running toward me. Now, this guy is 6'2", about 250, and I'm only 5'5", five five, but I wasn't going to back down. He's like, what are you doing flipping me off? Why, why the hell can't you pull up? Why the heck can't you pull up your mm, and get your effing truck out of my way and, and you're in my way and all this garbage? By that time, we're nose to nose, and I'm like, you want? I said, I told you. I'm sorry. I can't pull up anymore. Get your effing truck out of my way. And as we're nose to nose, it looks like he's ready to hit me. So I tell him, I said, you go ahead. And we're both yelling. You go ahead and you try, you hit me. You go ahead and hit me. You think you're going to be a big man and hit a woman. So he kind of glances around. You could see it. He kind of just, just slightly turns his head and glances around. Then he backs down. And he walks off, still cussing and swearing, get my effing truck out of his way and all this kind of crap at the fuel island. I continue, I said, you want a piece of me? Come get it. You still want a piece of me? Come bring it. I walk inside, I get my receipt, get my cash advance, walk back out to my truck. I'm gone from my truck about a whole five minutes with that altercation, probably about a whole ten minutes. The moral to my story, ladies, is stand up for yourself. Don't back down from these jackasses out here that think that they're going to mow over us women because you're a woman and you need to be home, take care of your man, and all this garbage. And I'm about had it. I'm about sick of it. And there is a certain driver. We all have seen him. We all know who he is. They are whatever. It's a, it is a certain race that does it. Get the hell out of my way. You're in my effing way and all this kind of crap. Bring it. You want a piece of me? I'm telling you right now, bring it. That was the wrong day to mess with this white woman. And um, one second. I'm watching Werner pull out from next to me and hoping to God he doesn't clip my truck while I'm recording this show at the time. So anyways, back to my story. And the moral of the story, women, we have to fight, uh, stand up for ourselves. We have to grow a thick skin with these guys, especially if you're a solo driver out here. Don't take no mm -mm off of nobody, you know, because they will mow you over every time. If they're polite to you, hey, be polite back. Don't have an attitude. But when they come at you with an attitude because they're all pissed off, F them. So don't, you know, don't even do that. And if he does hit you, does try to hit you, stand there. Defend yourself, but don't hit back. Because the first punch, that's assault. That's assault and battery. You can own him, you can own his truck, and you can have his job and also his trucking company. Because you could sue him and the trucking company for assault. So, let him hit you. Like I said, block it, but have it on video. Have your, have your phone with you. 
anybody that accosts you like that, have that crap on video because a picture's worth a thousand words. And I really don't understand what all this road rage is about. In 30 years of driving, I've never been assaulted like that. So I'm really, really, you know, just bring it. This episode of Julia's Trucker Cafe is brought to you by Julia's Virtual Assistant Service. Have you ever thought about hiring a virtual assistant? Do you even know what a virtual assistant is? Well, may I suggest to you, contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service to find out how they can help you and your business. Do you have things that you hate doing? Like driving a truck, besides driving a truck, the bookkeeping if you're owner operator? Well, hand them over to Julia's Virtual Assistant Service and concentrate on the things that you enjoy doing. From basic website design, social media marketing, to transcription, and even bookkeeping. Julia's Virtual Assistant Service can help you and your business with the things that you hate. Any task that you have, hand it over to them. Contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service today by going to their website at juliasvaservice.com. That's Julia's V as in Victor, A as in Apple, service.com. Julia'svaservice.com. Check them out today. If you don't see the task that you want her to do, Send her an email. Email's right there on the contact form. Fill out the form and she'll give you a free quote, economical prices, and fast turnaround time. Contact Julia's VA service today. Back to the news. A truck driver stranded after his truck catches on fire is helped by state patrol officers. A truck driver stranded after a semi caught on fire received much needed help from state troopers and North Carolina. Truck driver Ali Yazim was, it's J-A-S-S-I-M, was driving along Interstate 77 in North Carolina after stopping at a rest area when truck suddenly caught on fire, forcing him to pull over. It From the picture, it looks like the whole truck caught on fire. You, The hood is gone. The fenders are gone. The truck is melted. The whole front of the trailer is you know it went halfway down the trailer i tried to use my extinguisher but the fire was already too big he said explaining how he had only escaped the fire with his phone and a pack of cigarettes left with no money or important paperwork such as a social security card or proof of citizenship after his rig burned to the ground jazz yasmin was stranded in statesville north carolina with no way to get back home to colorado and that's where North Carolina troopers stepped in to help. Troopers Nick Chapman, Isaac Hammer, Anthony McLean, Travis Meadows, Marla Powell, and some Highway Patrol communications workers set out to help Yasmin by reaching out to local churches as well as their local CVS in an attempt to collect enough money to send him home. Thankfully, their combined efforts worked, and the group was able to gather enough funds to pay for a rental car, a phone charger, water, and enough money for food, gas, and lodging as he made his way back to his home in Colorado. These are members of North Carolina State Highway Patrol, said Sergeant C.R. Jones. I have faith that this is the standard of our men and women and know that this is what it means to put this uniform on every day and represent North Carolina. We could not ask for any better ambassadors. Yasmin has since made it home and says that his next step is to replace all the important documents he lost in the still unexplained blaze. 
he said the officers helped me a lot everyone was so nice thank you to all the people who helped end quote iowa dot officers broke the law by issuing 13,000 citations said the Iowa Supreme Court. Last week, the Iowa Supreme Court found that the Iowa Department of Transportation, the DOT, did not have authority to issue approximately 13,000 citations over the course of two years. On Friday, October 19th, the Iowa Supreme Court unanimously ruled that Iowa DOT motor vehicle enforcement officers had illegally issued more than 12,840 citations between 2014 and 2016. As a result of the court's ruling, the Iowa DOT may be forced to refund the nearly 13,000 citations. Most of the tickets were issued for $150. Now you take $13,000 and times it by 150 and what do you get? The Iowa Supreme Court found that prior to 2017, when new legislation was passed, Iowa DOT motor vehicle enforcement officers did not have the proper authority to issue citations for traffic violations like speeding. The court found that Iowa DOT officers only had the proper authority to issue citations for commercial vehicle offenses like overweight, operating authority, and registration violations. The Iowa DOT released a statement following the Supreme Court ruling, we are disappointed in the result of this decision. Well, yeah, look at all the money you got to pay back. Public safety is best served when trained peace officers are able to respond to dangerous traffic events that occur in their presence, like speeding through a work zone with a revoked license. That's one in like a billion. The lawsuit against the Iowa DOT began when two motorists... Ricky Rulia and Timothy Riley were cited by Iowa DOT officers for speeding during separate incidences in a construction zone in 2016. Rilea and Riley sued the uh, Iowa DOT, and after this lawsuit was filed, Iowa lawmakers amended the law to give DOT officers similar authority to peace officers. Well, ain't that special? They went ahead and said, oop! Crap, we made a mistake. Let's go ahead and change the law. Typical. And therefore, authority to enforce traffic laws along with all the other states. A lawyer representing Ralea and Riley says that the Iowa Supreme Court's ruling has cleared a path for a previously filed class action suit to move forward. So if you got a ticket in Iowa for speeding or anything from a DOT officer back between 2014 and 2016, you might be involved in this class action lawsuit. One second. The court, all uh, Iowa Supreme Court also says instead of enforcing the law, Iowa DOT spent two years breaking the law. The drivers sued. They said it was not within the power of the DOT to issue speeding tickets. And the Iowa Supreme Court, like I mentioned, agreed. Uh, Brandon Brown, the attorney representing the plaintiff, said this ruling could pave the way for a class action lawsuit he's working on and require the DOT to reimburse drivers who paid those tickets. It's important because Every state agency has their own function, and we have maintained that the Department of Public Safety, because of a ruling made decades ago that public safety has the power to regulate traffic enforcement, is important so that every agency stands within their own boundaries, said the, uh, end quote, attorney Brandon Brown. Brown says on average the tickets issued were about $150, some upwards up to $1,000 because they were in construction zones. Since this law, uh, that's where the 
the legislators passed a law in 2017 uh, that prohibits the DOT from handing out speeding tickets. Now, that's completely different to the, the CDL Life article, and this is from the WHO um, article, Iowa DOT, and the previous article that I read was from CDL Life. That's where I tried to look up their source because CDL Life, they just paraphrase and I, you get a lot of the facts wrong. So I just want to go ahead and let you know that um, most of these, you know, most of the CDL Life isn't correct. Now a bungee cord is blamed for a two semi four car crash in, in Indiana. Indiana State Police say that a bungee cord is to blame for a multiple vehicle crash on 465 in Indianapolis last week. Well, that would be, this would be the 16th, 17th, somewhere in there. The crash happened in the westbound lanes of I-465 around 2 p.m. on October 17th, according to the uh, Indiana, um, Indianapolis um, television station. Four passenger ve vehicles and two semi-trucks were involved in the crash, and police say that a bungee cord being used to hold down a car's hood was to blame. YouTuber user DIY Quick Fix posted the dashcam video of the incident, on the 22nd, he writes, quote, dash cam footage of multiple car crash and rolled over semi on I-465 Indianapolis. Pay attention on the guy in the left lane with a Pontiac. His hood pops up open. The hood was strapped with a bungee strap. And from that point, everything started. So this video and this um, article will be in the show notes for you to, and also I can uh, share the video in, on the page of stupid things that drivers do. So there's another good video for everybody to look at. And to leave you on a high note, uh, there we are. Here it is. Found it. A truck, Nebraska truck driver helps rescue kids from a burning house. So I want to leave you uh, all on a high note. A Nebraska truck driver is being called a hero or a highway angel after helping a mother rescue children trapped in a burning home. The incident happened in Sioux City, Iowa, just before 11 p.m. last week, October 18th. Martin Hughes was traveling on Riverside Boulevard when he was flagged down by a woman with two children. When Hughes pulled over, the woman begged him to help her other two children who were stuck inside the family's home. And the Sioux City News, at around 10.46 p.m., According to the Sioux City News, October 18th, Sioux City Fire Rescue received a call for a fire at a home on a Riverside Boulevard. A truck driver passing by, Martin Hughes, noticed a homeowner and two of her children on the side of the road flagging him down. When he pulled over, the mother pleaded for help because she had two more children still in the house, unable to escape. Martin explained to the Sioux News that he attempted to crawl under the smoke, but there was too much to get through. He and the mother then proceeded to go along all the windows until they found the children, busted the window open, and pulled them out of the house to safety. Both kids made it out unharmed. Well, congratulations, Mr. Martin Hughes. You are this month's trucker highway angel from Julius Trucker Cafe. He, Mr. Martin got a few cuts from breaking the glass. Even with the slight pain, he tells... Sulin News. He's just glad everyone was all right and he was happy to be at the right place at the right time. So kudos to you, Mr. Martin Hughes. Uh, I'm not sure which uh, company you drive for, but you are Julia's Truck and Cafe October's Highway Angel of the Month. 
So thank you so much. I want to thank all of my listeners. If you would like to tune in to someplace other than the website, you could go to iHeartRadio. I have all my links on the bottom of every episode. Also, please subscribe to our email list. And you will get the show notes emailed to you each and every week when I have them prepared. You could also find us on iTunes, Facebook, and um, Spreaker, along with uh, Spotify. So all those links and the also the podcast app on Google Play Store. So again, thank you to all my listeners. I greatly love and appreciate all of y'all. And um, also, we can have it on YouTube as well. I'll eventually get it all spit it out, right? But thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. And keep the shiny side up. And until next week, I hope you have a very blessed week. Thank you. Thank you.